Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy. We get like so pumped up and like we're talking and then suddenly like we push record and then we're like, what do we do now? Now what? It's not like we've done like 70 plus episodes or anything. So This is 75. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. 75. 75. Who knew that we would make 75 episodes? <laughs> right. Tracy, okay, now you're going to count through us and remind us what each episode was about. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Uh, there have been series, there have been great topics and weird topics and other topics. And things and interviews and discussions and yeah. So much, you guys. And yet, not enough. Because we're back, we're here, we're doing this. And we have so much more. <laughs> we even had a discussion earlier today about an entire other Literally. series that we're going to do in the future. It's like, we need this. <laughs> we need this. We need so much. Oh, this is great, though. You thought season two was wild. Just wait till you get to season three. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. We're going to have to keep figuring out how to outdo ourselves and are just like, this. Uh, it's going to be great and complex. I don't, I don't even know. I don't have the words for it. It's just going to be crazy. At one point, one of our seasons is just going to be like on the moon or from space. <laughs> like that's how we outdo ourselves. Out of this world. <laughs> <laughs> just need Jeff Bezos to host us and, or Elon Musk, I guess. Or Jeff Bezos' ex-wife. What's her name? Yes. It starts with an M, right? Melissa. Madeline? Melissa. Melinda. Marion. <laughs> Ma- Let me look her up. <laughs> it's in so fascinating though. Like reading about Mackenzie. Ugh. That would have been like my fifth guess, I think. Yes. Yeah. Mackenzie Scott. Mackenzie Scott. <sighs> okay. Well, now that we've yep. gone on a tangent, like we always yes. do. We're here. Welcome back, back to our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> yes. Hello. <laughs> so, unfortunately, yep. we don't have a series theme to go off of today. So, we're back to our normal. I think that's okay. Don't yeah. be disappointed, you guys. Too many series, it's too much. Yeah. We'll have another one soon. There will be, yes. We are back to pick a topic and discuss or rant about it for pretty much an hour, like normal. I guess that's how it goes. (laughs) And this week, we wanted to do what we call hardcore temple prep. Hardcore. Yeah. All right. So hardcore temple prep. We know, so we know you've covered temples before in episode 46 with Temples 101 and episode 55, Church Policy Changes. But like we've said before, we can really talk about anything for hours on end. So that's what we're doing today. Temples 101 was mostly about the temple construction process and why we build temples. And we also cover the changes to the temple recommend interview questions in the church policy changes. So this week, however, we are going to talk about how you can truly prepare for making sacred covenants in the temple, what covenants you do make in the temple, and how to ultimately keep or honor them after going through the temple. So it's really about the before, the during, and the after phases of temples. Exactly. Good stuff. Yeah. We felt like this was an important topic to discuss, and I know we talked about doing an episode about temple prep in the past, 
especially because we cater to a young single adult and a single adult audience who may be considering going to the temple for the first time for themselves. We really felt like we needed to have this discussion and help you prepare further because we both have been through the temple and we always want to encourage people to go. But because we both have anxiety and we fear the <laughs> unknown, <laughs> oh we, want, we want everyone to feel thoroughly prepared for going to the temple without any fear. Yes. And then, I mean, also, like, it's good for those who have been through the temple to have this sort of view, kind of, just so, like, so you can, like, remember what it was like going through in the beginning. Because, yeah. like, I remember, like, going through all of our notes. I was like, oh, 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 I do remember that now. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> I know I had a lot of memories come flooding back and I was like, oh, wow, right? this was in a locked corner uh, of my brain. I forgot about right? Exactly. Yeah. And for those of you who have been to the temple and are worried that we're going to share something that we shouldn't be, be sharing, relax. In fact, the general handbook of the church states, quote, temple covenants and ordinances are sacred. The symbols associated with temple covenants should not be discussed outside the temple nor should we discuss the holy information we promise in the temple not to reveal. However, we may discuss the basic purposes and doctrine of temple covenants and ordinances and the spiritual feelings we have in the temple, end quote. A lot of our research for this episode, we pulled directly from the Church Handbook of Instruction, which is available online for everyone to view, which explains a lot more about the temple than you think. Updates that were made in the last couple of years to the church handbook continue to share more publicly the information about the temple than they have in the past. So this is going to be a good refresher for all of us because, like, we didn't know that all of this stuff was actually in the handbook. Like, all of it. It's pretty legit. Yes. Um, okay, and then also to further illustrate the importance of discussing temple covenants and what happens in the temple, the Preparing to Enter the Holy Temple manual states it was never intended that knowledge of these temple ceremonies would be limited to a select few who would be obliged to ensure that others never learn of them. It is quite the opposite, in fact. With great effort, we urged every soul to qualify and prepare for the temple experience. So, we're going to do that. We're going to give you a full hardcore breakdown of temple prep. Woo! And I honestly really wish I'd had this like when I was preparing through because they just like, they always just cover the basics in the basic temple prep classes. And I'm like, I want to know the logistics of everything of what to expect. I don't need to know the information that's going to be shared with me. I want to know this certain thing. So let's dive in. So we're going to talk about before, before you go to the temple. This is truly the temple preparation portion. So we know that this will sound very trite and overused in the church, but we're going to have to say it anyways. You need to prayerfully prepare to go to the temple. Yes, we know it gets said so often in the church that we tend to ignore it, but it is very, 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 very true. Okay, so when it comes when it comes to that, though, like, yes, prayer is like always a super basic answer um, to any sort of question, but to me, it is really the most valuable because it is your communication with our heavenly parents more than anything, because things about the church continue to change. And so it's easy to get confused and overwhelmed by certain things. And then like the scriptures can get confusing, but so long as you use prayer, you can access so much knowledge and revelation and blessings from our heavenly parents. And then we do need to be doing that preparation. We need to really prepare for the temple because we do learn more and we promise more to the Lord. 
the covenants that we make in the temple should not be taken lightly. So think about when you're growing up and the responsibilities and expectations that your parents had for you. When you were a toddler, you didn't have responsibilities and expectations because you were in the process of just learning and grasping everything. But then when you were a teenager, you had more responsibilities and expectations because you knew better. You'd been taught certain principles, societal norms, and more that meant you could handle more and take on and do more with your life. So similarly, the Lord holds that expectation for all of us. Before we're baptized, we aren't held to a standard because we're still learning. But then when we get baptized and covenant to keep the commandments and follow him, we are then expected to do that and repent along the way. When we go to the temple, the Lord then expects us to honor those covenants that we make and the promises because we've proven we are responsible and faithful enough to handle that level of commitment and responsibility. Yeah, exactly. That can sound a little daunting. I remember like preparing to go through and I was like, okay, like it's a whole nother level. Like I'm ready. Like I don't expect to get married at any time soon. Like I just, I want to do this for myself. That was very important to me. And you do need to be on that stage where it's like, okay, like I am prepared. I have, you have to be mentally preparing yourself for this and then you can start physically doing everything else. Yeah. I always kind of equate it to like climbing a ladder. So like before you get baptized, you're basically on like the very bottom rung of the ladder. So like if you fall off, it's not far to fall. It's like a step and you're still standing there like, yeah, okay. Okay. If you get baptized, you're like four rungs up. And then if you fall, you might like get some bruises and some scrapes, but you're still fine. And you can bounce back quickly and start climbing again. But then if you go through the temple and you make all the temple covenants, you're basically at like the top of the ladder. And so if you fall, it's going to hurt a lot to fall. You're going to probably break something. It's going to take you longer to heal, but ultimately you'll be able to climb the ladder again. And it's very similar with temple covenants. Like if you break your temple covenants, it's a harder and longer repentance process than it would be if you had not made your covenants. Interesting. I like that though. Yeah. Cause like my analogy was like, it's like deciding to juggle, like learning to juggle. Like you'd work with one ball. You're like, okay, like I can play with this. Like it's okay if it falls, you know? Um, but then like you keep graduating onto like another ball and then like another ball and then you can do the balls just fine. So you play with knives and then you're like, let's do this. Like I'm ready. I want to do this. And then everyone's like, okay, if you are ready, then you can do this. Yeah. Like, but you need to know this about yourself. And then you're like, yeah, let's do this. And then, you know, like going through the temple, like as you know, like you can, you can drop one of those knives. You can keep playing with those knives forever. You can continue to add more knives and just keep on juggling. There's so much that can happen through it and it's going to affect you in, in different ways. Yeah, that's true. So in Doctrine and Covenants section 82, verse three, it says, quote, for of him unto whom much is given, much is required. And he who sins against the greater light shall receive the greater condemnation, end quote. So I use this scripture to illustrate this point a little bit further, that when we make covenants in the temple, we are truly held to a higher standard of behavior than others by the Lord, because we promised to him directly in the temple to live by this standard. Now, we'll go over the covenants more in this episode, but we wanted to stress to you who are preparing to go to the temple that if you feel any sort of hesitation or concern in making deeper covenants of the Lord, don't feel pressured to do it. No one can force you to go to the temple. No one can pressure you into making these covenants because it truly is a personal decision. 
Do not let anyone tell you that you have to go because you're a certain age, especially if you're not ready. We are here to help you better prepare yourself, and we want to help you better prepare yourself to go to the temple. We know that going to the temple is not for everyone and that not everyone feels like they need to go. And that's okay. Like, we don't want you to feel any sort of pressure to push yourself into that situation. If you feel like you're not ready, just don't go. Right. Like, we want to encourage people, but we're not going to, like, push you. We're going to say, like, hey, like, it is it is a great opportunity for you to go closer to your heavenly parents. And if you're like, sorry, that's not for me. And then we're just going to, like, okay, like, good for you. Like, that's okay. Like, do what works best for you. Like we want you to take care of yourself the best way. And if going through the temple is not going to do that, then don't do that. Okay. One other really cool note that I liked in the preparing to enter the Holy Temple manual, it says curiosity is not preparation. Deep interest itself is not a preparation. Preparation for the ordinances includes preliminary steps, faith, repentance, baptism, confirmation, worthiness, a maturity and dignity worthy of one who comes invited as a guest into the house of the Lord. I thought that was really important to note because, I mean, we all have our own reasons for doing the things that we do. And then we're all going to have our own reasons for going through the temple. The basic ones are always for guys. It's, you know, going, uh, going through to go on their mission. And for girls, it's commonly, if not for their mission, it's to get married and everything. So we could be doing it for any sort of reason, but we need to have a good one so that we can properly prepare for it. Yeah, because curiosity will definitely not prepare you in any way, shape, or form no. for the temple. It'll it'll ruin you, if anything. It, yeah, that's not... <laughs> yeah, curiosity <laughs> is a very healthy thing, but there are limits and there are boundaries that you need to be aware of. Yeah. You can be curious about the preparation, and if you decide to go through the preparation and at the end decide that, yes, I do want to go through the temple, then that's great. So if curiosity is like your starting point, great, but that shouldn't be it. Um, and then last note on that is the note of worthiness. So we have innate worthiness and then we have like a different form of worthiness, uh, temporal worthiness. Is that what we want to call it? Um, where like, we're already worthy as children of our heavenly parents, but we do need to have another level of worthiness that we acknowledge and utilize within our daily lives by following certain principles within the, within the gospel boundaries so that we are that type of worthy that's allowed to go into the temple. We need to be meeting certain expectations for that. I feel like with that form of worthiness, they shouldn't really call it worthiness anymore. They should call it like purity or obedience or something like that. Or sanctification. I like obedience. Purity is a very tricky word in the church. Yeah. But obedience, I do like that. Like how, well, I mean, that's close. I don't know. There's got to be another word out there. If you complete the checklist. Than worthiness. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> if you yeah. meet all of these expectations. Right. Uh, oh okay. Okay. So <laughs> on LDS.org in the temple section, it states, that your preparation should include prayerfully studying the gospel of Jesus Christ and applying those teachings in your life. The foundation of your preparation for the temple will be to faithfully honor the sacred covenants you have already made. So this means your baptismal covenants. So think back to when you were baptized. If you were an eight-year-old, you might not remember how exactly you prepared to be baptized, but if you were baptized as an older child, a teenager, or an adult, you'll remember a lot better. In any case, the pattern is the same. So you needed to develop faith in Jesus Christ, which was only possible as you learned about him and about his gospel. You needed to repent 
and that means like truly repent and forsake and turn away from your sins. Then you needed to regularly attend church and be interviewed by the bishop for baptism. And finally, you were baptized and received the Holy Ghost. So this foundation of your temple preparation is truly the baptismal covenants you've already made. So if you need an extra refresher about what those baptismal covenants are, you can review them in the sacrament prayers every Sunday, and you can also review them in Mosiah chapter 18, verses 9 through 11, which explains mourning with those that mourn, comforting those that stand in need of comfort, bearing one another's burdens, um, standing as a witness of God always, and then the sacramental prayers, which say, keep the commandments and always remember him. So your preparation should be continuing to live that covenant, repenting when you make mistakes, and then learning more about the Savior and his gospel in order to fully prepare. There's no way to like better prepare than to start there and really master those principles of developing faith, repentance, and obedience. It's just very interesting because I think back and I, the main thing I remember about getting baptized is that I shared the day with two of my friends at the time. There are three of us getting baptized. But I, and I remember my dad asking me if I want to get baptized and I was like, well, yeah, everyone else is doing it. (laughs) That was my mentality. And I, I wish I had done more to prepare then. I think like really going through like a more dedicated process than just saying like, yeah, you're going to church, you're reading, you're doing family scripture, you know, and everything. I, I do feel like there could be a little extra effort that is provided to the children who are at the baptismal age to start having those discussions to be more conscious about the choices that they are going to be making. I mean, I'm glad I got baptized. Like, clearly, I'm, I'm still in the church. Like, I still have all the same beliefs. Um, I just wish I'd had a better understanding of everything. That's all. But I did better when I went through the temple because I was older and more aware of everything. So that's good. Yeah. (laughs) You know, when I was getting ready to go to the temple, I was really blessed because I was in a student ward at SVU. My bishop and his wife were in charge of the temple prep class for our ward. And my bishop's wife hated the temple prep manual and the curriculum. So she made her own. She made her own curriculum. She made her own manual. And she had us going over everything. Like she went over what ordinances happen, what the covenants are that we make. She went over where to find them in the scriptures, what garments look like, the different fabric options. Like she went over everything. Okay. Does she still have that? Because she needs to share with the church and like that's, that is a temple prep that people need. I don't know. I might have it somewhere in one of my boxes around. That's great. I'll look for it. I don't think I could part with it, honestly. But like the big thing that she wanted to be clear was that everything we learn in the temple can be found in the scriptures. Yes. Nothing will be new or shocking. That there were no animal sacrifices or like scary rituals with blood oaths that happened, which was my fear. But Everything is familiar and can be found in the scriptures. So remember this because everything can be found in the scriptures. Honestly, there's like one one like specific verse, I think in like the New Testament, one specific one in Doctrine and Covenants, and then just like review the creation and the plan of salvation. And then you're, you're going to walk in and you're going to be like, oh, that's it. Because <laughs> like that, that, that's what it is. 
Anyways, okay, so if you want to get to the temple, as you prepare yourself, part of your preparation is getting a temple recommend, and that involves an interview with a member of your bishopric as well as a member of your stake presidency. And so those re temple recommends are actually going to last you two years. So um, in both of those interviews, they will ask you a series of questions regarding your testimony of different facets of the gospel. And these questions can be found in an article from 2019 in the church newsroom. And you can also hear them in our church policy episode. So go listen to it again. In the preparing to enter the Holy Temple manual regarding Temple Recommend interviews, it states, Acceptable answers to the bishop's questions will ordinarily establish the worthiness of an individual to receive a temple recommend. If an applicant is not keeping the commandments or there is something unsettled about his or her life that needs to be put in order, it will be necessary for that individual to demonstrate true repentance before a temple recommend is issued. Pretty simple, pretty basic. It's what you would have already known if you had your basic temple recommend. Limited use. Yes, limited use. Thank you. Um... So there, it doesn't ask you like a lot of harder questions. I do feel that um, in my experience that the church leaders have tried to put a little bit more effort into them um, and having those discussions and then asking like a few more probing questions, at least in my case, like because when it comes to interviews, like they get to be really intimidating, even though I'm like, I know the answers that I'm going to be giving. It's, it's not a surprise test or anything, you know? Um but there's some moments where I'm just like, okay, I have to like think about this. And I'm like, wait, what does this really mean that I'm like saying I'm committing to? Because I'm pretty sure like I already know this because I know stuff clearly. But like we still like dive into deeper conversations sometimes. And sometimes it'll be short and sometimes yeah. it'll be really long. There was one interview I will never forget. It was with our stake president in Orlando. He went through all of the questions except for the one about um, do you have a testimony of God the Father, his son Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost and like that that question. And at the end of the recommended interview, he asked me to share my testimony about them. And that was like my answer for that question. He was like, can you share your testimony with me about like the eternal nature of Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ and the atonement and how it's helped your life? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I shared my testimony with him and then he shared his testimony about it. And he was like, I've started to end my interviews with this because I feel like it brings a different spirit into the room when we're having temple recommend interviews. And I was like, this is so nice. And it really was like, it was the best temple recommend interview I think I've ever had. It does. It changes so much. An important thing to note is that there are no insane hoops for you to jump through to be ready to go to the temple. So we know that we have both heard like, wild rumors that you have to be at least like 25 or you have to be going on a mission or getting married to go and get your own endowment or other ridiculous rumors of that nature. But according to the general handbook of the church, it says the decision to receive the endowment is personal and should be made prayerfully. The endowment is a blessing of power and revelation to all who prepare to receive it. Members may choose to receive their own endowment when they meet all of the following conditions. They are at least 18 years old. They have completed or are no longer attending high school, secondary school, or the equivalent. One full year has passed since their confirmation, and they feel a desire to receive and honor sacred temple covenants throughout their lives. So as you can see from the handbook, you don't have to jump through crazy hoops. You don't have to be in your like 20s, 30s, or 60s 
or specifically getting married and going on a mission to go to the temple. Although it is necessary to get your own endowment before you are getting married or going on a mission. Um, preferably, our suggestion is to do it a few days in advance. Yeah. Because you're making a lot of commitments. And I mean, unless you really love making a lot of commitments and a lot of promises, like within a span of like 24-ish hours, then we, then I mean, it's it's nice to take a little bit of time to understand and to go through what you've done and then like take each exciting opportunity at it like as its own. There's no need to rush through everything. Just enjoy it. It's also helpful not just uh mentally and spiritually, but physically as well. Yeah. Think about like getting married. Can you imagine planning your whole wedding, like planning your dress, dress shopping, everything? and not knowing how garments will like fit underneath your dress. Not only that, but like making all of those commitments in one day, like I I could never. I could never. My fear of commitment? No, could never. Right. Yeah, so when I was in Young Women's, I had this super awesome leader and she was a temple worker and she mentioned how that there are so many girls that would try to get married in dresses that would not work with their garments because they didn't think that they needed to get married in garments or they hadn't thought about it or maybe they hadn't been properly taught about them and I mean at the at the time I was like not in the best place I was like a little judgmental but now I'm just like my heart hurts for everyone who like doesn't have a clear understanding of what all this means because we want the endowments, the initiatories, and we want our ceilings to be as happy and joyful as possible. These are not punishments. These are exciting opportunities to continuously grow closer to our heavenly parents. And that's how it should be seen. If it's not seen in that manner for any reason, then you shouldn't be going through. You need to be in a place where you're going to appreciate everything. And if you're just going to hate everything, please don't do it then. Yeah, for real. So in addition to this, the church handbook continues by explaining that before issuing a temple recommend for a member to receive the endowment, the bishop and stake president should feel that the person is prepared to understand and keep sacred temple covenants. The eligibility is determined individually for each person. Leaders do not use generalized criteria such as those listed below when determining whether a person is prepared to receive the endowment. Reaching a certain age leaving home for college, employment, or military service, or desiring to observe the temple ceiling of a family member or friend. So those are criteria that leaders should not be paying attention to, and they are not reasons for you to go to the temple. Agreed. Um, quick note on that. For From my understanding, that can sometimes happen with church leaders because no one is perfect. Mm -hmm. um, we still come into the church, into our roles and our positions and our church callings with preconceived notions that are not always correct and can be sometimes harmful. Yeah. So when this does happen, when you say, hey, I am ready, I want to do this, and they're like, no, you're not this. From my understanding, you can go to other members of your bishopric or go higher, go to the stake presidency, mm -hmm. talk to the people above them who are going to be able to help you out and find either someone else to help you through this process to um, get someone else besides your bishop to help you out, something like that. There's always a way when you're ready and willing to go through the temple. And then additionally, we need to make sure that we're 
doing enough to have that type of worthiness, that obedience that we discussed earlier to make sure that, yes, you're at that point in your life where you are truly committed to making these decisions on a regular basis and that you are ready to accept that responsibility so that you can have those specific blessings, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. So good. So boom, you've made it through the interview process. Congratulations. You're basically ready to go. If it is your first time going through um, and you're going to get your own endowment, you do need to schedule an appointment with your local temple. It is super simple. Um, you just call up, ask them if they have any slots, let them know it's your first time, and they're going to work with you to find the right time that will work for you. So here's what you need once you've set up your time to go through the temple. First off is you need an escort, someone of the same gender like a parent, sibling, or a good friend, someone who's already been endowed and they're going to help you through your first time. They don't really have any actions or requirements upon them besides, you know, being there, being the same gender as you and being endowed. They're just really there for support. All right. So along with the escort, you'll also need to purchase a pair of garments from the distribution center. Um, so, So hopefully your temple will have one. If not, you can buy them online. I personally would recommend trying a few out if you can afford it. Mm -hmm. They are fairly cheap for a set. And there's a few different fabrics and styles that you can choose from. And then you're also going to need to bring your recommend with you when you go. If you do forget your recommend, and if you, like me, traveled out of state to do it, they can call your bishop to confirm that it is approved and everything. Like, hope is not all lost when that happens. Um... And then additionally, uh, when you are setting up time for your first endowments, um, they're going to give you a time to arrive at the temple so that you don't feel rushed and can go through everything calmly. Is that the way I did it? No, it's not the way I do anything. (laughs) Um, But we do recommend that. So the endowment session now is around an hour or so. Yeah. Um, It used to be like more around an hour and a half. Yep. So a few pointers to remember Do not feel like you have to know everything when you were there for the first time. It's okay to have questions. It's okay if you don't find any answers. It's okay if you're just going through it slack shot and wondering what the heck is going on. That's okay. That is normal. Okay, I'm I'm going to say like just go with it, but just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the experience as it goes. It is a very enlightening and interesting experience overall, I thought. Um, And so these were two points of advice that I continually received. It's kind of like one of those, like, you have to be there kind of situations. So if you don't understand it like I did, because I was just high on anxiety, like, I was like, how can I enjoy anything? How can I just sit here? Like, I'm, what? No. Um, (laughs) Same. But I understood it. Like, by that time, everything was, like, halfway over. And I was like, "Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, okay, whatever. Okay, I can do this. Yeah. I'm going to enjoy the rest of the ride now. So that's okay. So congratulations, you have reached the point of getting to the temple and everything. We have finished our before the process, and now we're going to dive in what happens inside the temple. Yes. So now we're going to talk about like what happens when you're in the temple. We all know that the temple is a sacred place of worship where we can make sacred covenants for ourselves with the Lord, as well as for our ancestors by proxy who have already passed on. So that includes baptism, confirmation, which is receiving the Holy Ghost, priesthood ordination, which is specifically for the dead, not for the living. You should already have the priesthood if you're going to the temple, the initiatory, the endowment, and sealing, which can be either to your spouse, to your children, or to your parents. 
One thing that we should mention for any listeners who are not familiar with how we do ordinances for the dead, I feel like this is very important because this is something that gets misunderstood and misconstrued all the time. It does. It's a funny, funny thing, but like... But it's very important. So we are not baptizing dead bodies. We're not grave robbers. We're not dipping sheets of paper with names on them into water. And we are not baptizing ghosts. Yes, I've heard a lot of really weird theories. That would mean we'd be interacting with ghosts on a regular basis, which at moments would be super legit and other times like super terrifying. Yeah, I'm not about that. So when we do baptisms or any other ordinance for the dead, we have these little cards, like three by five cards with people's names, birth dates or death dates on them. And we are basically standing in their place and doing all of the ordinances for them, like with our names and then with the phrase for and in behalf of attached to it. So we are really just standing in as a proxy or in representation of someone else. No dead bodies, no paper is being done, like nothing weird. Yeah, it's just us. Yeah, and then, okay, one thing, one just note to continue on that is when you are going through for yourself and your diamond, they will pin your name on a safety pin, like on your dress or your shirt. I've always hated that kind of thing. So it like really annoyed me and I was not prepared for it. So it really bothered me. When you're doing it for other people, though, um, you're not going to be like flashing the name around or anything. So you're just going to be holding on to it and probably keep it in your pocket until you're asked to turn it over. And also because a lot of our listeners who are members have already been to the temple to do baptisms before, we are going to skip that portion of the episode and focus on the other facets of the temple, like initiatory endowments and ceilings. So... Diving in specifically with the initiatory, which I swear, like, no one explained anything about this to me. So I was like, wait, I'm doing two things when I go there? Like, what the heck? Yeah, no one told me about this either. There's two things, you guys. Mm -hmm. Two, initiatory and endowment. Yes. In the most recent version of the general handbook of the church, it reads, the endowment is received in two parts. In the first part, a person receives a preliminary ordinance called the initiatory. The initiatory is also known as the washing and anointing. Um, You can reference Exodus 29 verses 4 through 9 for this. And it includes special blessings related to the person's divine heritage and potential. During the initiatory, the member is authorized to wear the temple garment. The garment represents his or her personal relationship with God and the commitment to obey covenants made in the temple. When members are faithful to their covenants and wear the garment properly throughout their lives, it also serves as a protection. For logistics, the initiatory is just five minutes, and it's the same as when you are going through for yourself and for others, just like all the other ordinances that you're going through in the temple. Like it's it's the same as it goes. It's one of my favorites now, actually, not just because it's short, but I do enjoy what is said on it, and it's fun to hear what is going on. Um, Although, granted, when you hear the initiatory, that does sound terrifying. It, it makes you feel like you're going to go through, like, initi- not just initiation, um, hazing. Yeah. Like, for a sorority or something. Like, I don't need that in my life. So it does sound terrifying. But rest assured, it is not scary at all. You're just, you're taken into a room, a small room with a temple worker. You are washed and anointed. Don't freak out. It's not like a bath or like you're not going to be doused in oil like in the Lord of the Rings movie. Like it's, it's not like that. It's like, <laughs> no, it's it's not. It's just like yeah. here's, a, here's a flick of water. Here's a flick of oil. Like, boom, 
you're yeah. good to go. You're watching Anointed then. Like, you're not taking baths in, in front of anyone, I promise. No, no. Or else I would not be in doubt. And then you are given multiple blessings throughout that process. These blessings are fascinating to listen to. They can they include blessings of physical health, spiritual strength, knowledge, and more. And more, most importantly, like the handbook states, you are authorized to wear your garments and are given special instructions about the sacred nature of your garments if worn properly throughout your life. During the initiatory, we cannot prove this ourselves because we're not men, but this is what the church says. So we are trusting you guys on this. If you're a man and are doing ordinances for the dead, this is where you also receive the priesthood for the dead by proxy. We don't know the details or specifications about this, but that's what we believe. What I've always liked about um, this part of the temple is that you really see here that women have the same power to perform the ordinances of initiatory and endowments in the temple as the men. So when you go to the temple, women are performing ordinances for women and men are performing ordinances for men. And it just shows that women are authorized through the priesthood to perform these sacred ordinances. And I always thought that it was really cool that we had that authority and that power to do it. It's also important to note that while the covenant of the initiatory itself remains the same, the wording and the ways in which ordinances are performed change over time. So the way that we do initiatory and the wording specifically has even changed over the years since like I got my endowment in 2012. Oh, same. Like, and I've been endowed for less time. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. The The thing that I have enjoyed the most specifically, and I think there's a church news article about this, is that the blessings in be. initiatory are not contingent upon having a husband or a spouse anymore. Which when I heard this change, I was like, this is huge because there are so many of us that are single that like hear these blessings in initiatory and are like, I'm never going to get this. Like, how is this applicable to me and my single self? But like to hear that we can get those blessings in this life and the next with or without a spouse attached to it is like an incredible change. So just know that like the wording and the and the ways that these ordinances are performed change over time depending on revelation from the prophet and other church leaders. Yes, which I think is insanely important because I mean there were there were like when I first got in doubt I was like wait, are they really saying that? Like what I'm sorry. Like I thought we'd progress a bit. Um, and then like, yeah, since then some of the content has changed and I like how you said that, that the covenant itself remains the same, but the wording can change. I think that's really important to note because we're very much set up as a patriarchal church, but that doesn't have to be, and it's not how we, um, necessarily receive our blessings and everything. So like, we always know, we, we know how the church used to be set up. It's like, okay, the man goes to God, then the woman goes to her husband and then goes to God. Like that's how she's allowed to connect to God only with the husband. And that's, that's not what it is. The covenant is between us, whatever gender we might be. And then the Lord, like that's how it is now for the endowments. So the word endowment and based in the general handbook of the church means a gift. It's nice to think about it that way. It is, yes. So the temple endowment then is literally a gift from God through which he blesses his children. The endowment can be received only in holy temples. 
Some of the gifts that members receive through the Temple Endowment include greater knowledge of the Lord's purposes and teachings, power to do all that Heavenly Father wants His children to do, divine direction when serving the Lord, their families, and others, increased hope, comfort, and peace. All the promised blessings of the endowment are in force both in this life and for eternity. The fulfillment of these blessings depends on faithfulness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's all found in the general handbook. This is not a saying that if you want to receive any of these blessings, you have to go through the temple. It's just a different funnel of how you can receive certain blessings. And it's pretty cool, I think. So the handbook also continues to explain that in the second part of the endowment, the plan of salvation is taught, including the creation, the fall of Adam and Eve, the atonement of Jesus Christ, the apostasy, and the restoration. Members also receive instruction on how to return to the Lord's presence. In the endowment, members are invited to make sacred covenants to, one, live the law of obedience and strive to keep Heavenly Father's commandments, Two, obey the law of sacrifice, which means sacrificing to support the Lord's work and repenting with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Three, obey the law of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the higher law that he taught while he was on the earth. Four, keep the law of chastity, which means having no sexual activity except with those to whom they are legally and lawfully wedded according to God's law. And five, keep the law of consecration, which means dedicating their time, talents, and everything with which the Lord has blessed them to building up Jesus Christ's church on the earth. In return, Heavenly Father promises that those who remain faithful to their temple covenants will be endowed with power from on high. See also Doctrine and Covenants section 38 verses 32 and 38, Luke chapter 24 verse 49, and Doctrine and Covenants section 43 verse 16, end quote. So we will be doing an episode later this season about the law of consecration, which will explain this covenant a bit further and help people to understand what the law of consecration actually is, because a lot of y'all don't know that stuff, and that's important. The endowment is really an opportunity for you to learn more about the creation, about the fall of Adam and Eve, and the plan of salvation as a whole. Like, if you want to know what specifically you're going to be learning, it's literally all in the scriptures, like we said earlier in the episode. If you want highlights, y'all, if you read Genesis chapters 1 through 3 and Abraham chapters 3 through 5, you'll pretty much get the content of the endowment. That's pretty much all of it. Obviously, there's more. There's like symbolism and stuff that happens in the temple, but like that also in the scriptures, that's all there. So you can read and find things out on your own. Um, I feel like personally, it's helpful to read and review this after you've been to the temple because things make more and more sense the more you read and the more you go to the temple. So like things just click more in ways that you did not think that it could click more. <laughs> you start to make a few more connections through parts of the gospel, uh, the covenants and the blessings. Like that's that's really what it is. I I kept expecting to see and solve mysteries as I went through the endowment. I mean, for some people, they're going to have major changes and revelations that come to them. And, you know, that's great. And it's also great if you're just there and be like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this thing. I'm glad I remember it now. Like, that's good enough, too. Yeah. It's just an opportunity for us to continuously go go back and to learn to enjoy being in the house of the Lord and doing some service for someone who cannot do it for themselves anymore. 
Yeah. And it's, I know people say like, keep going, you'll learn so much every time you go. But like, it's so true because I don't think that there has been a single time where I've gone to the temple and not learned something new. It could just be that like one part stood out to me more that one time that I went than another time. And it's very similar to like when you read the scriptures, like it doesn't matter how many times you read the Book of Mormon, like you're still going to learn something new when you read the Book of Mormon because something new is going to stand out to you. Exactly. And sometimes it's going to be something very small and sometimes it's going to be very big. And either way, that's still great. Like you're still getting something out of the experience. Moving on, another thing to note, <laughs> temple clothing. Yes. So on the church website, there's a video that came out like, I want to say like five years ago. It's called Sacred Temple Clothing. So this video discusses and depicts the sacred clothing that you wear in the temple, specifically to officiate and participate in sacred ordinances like the endowment. So in this video, the church shows each element of clothing laid out on a table, and they explain that like many other religions, some articles of clothing are only seen and worn during the religion's most sacred ordinances. Similarly, temple robes are only seen and worn during our sacred ordinances within the temple. They are not to be worn on the street, in pictures, in TikToks, or scattered around social media. So yes, during the endowment, you will go through what I like to call a costume change, where you will put those robes on to participate in the ordinance. But it is important to note, I have to say this because I know I was petrified getting ready to go to the temple for the first time. I thought that I had to get fully dressed in a room full of people. Like I thought that I was getting naked and I had to make this change. So let's clarify that. I was imagining like the weirdest like Wiccan related like ceremonial stuff. Like that's what I was thinking. Yeah, say my brain right? went to like d my deep knowledge of cult stuff and I was like terrified. <laughs> yes. So like, let's clear that up. We need to clarify this. People are not getting naked to make this change. All it is, is like putting on a chef's apron before you're cooking. Like you're just adding clothing to your already clothing that you're wearing. And it's so you can fully experience and understand the ordinance as a whole. It is not undressing and redressing. You are basically putting on a cardigan and like adding a jacket and a hat and like some gloves. Like that is the essential nature of it. Exactly. And then like, okay, so I mean, when you go to the temple, you're wearing your church clothes. And then when you're ready to do everything, if you're not already endowed, you're going to change into your garments for the first time in bathrooms and in dressing rooms. Um, and then you'll be changing into white clothing and then you'll be carrying your your ceremonial stuff with you. So you will change at the beginning and then you'll put on ceremonial clothing um, during the endowments and then you'll take them off after and then you'll change back into your street clothes. There is no point during any of this where anybody should be watching you unclothe. Yeah, everything is private. If someone is, then report them. And beat them with a stick. Yeah. Yeah, just beat Please them up. Please do with anything. Do it. Yeah. It's just really funny to me how much how much I was scared about having to get naked in front of people. <laughs> and it really upsets yeah. me. Because this scared me for so Same. long. And it disturbed me for so long. And we always treated it so sacred that we wanted to keep everything a secret. And I can understand that principle. But we can't 
keep everything so secret because then we're going to make assumptions and then we're going to get scared and then you're going to get people who are not really prepared to go be going through the endowment such and to be doing to making all these promises because they're like well okay but i didn't i didn't sign up for this i just signed up for that kind yeah. of thing like secret and sacred are two different words that we need to remember like we don't need to keep everything a secret because it's not a secret as we are sharing right now like everything is public information it's on the church website easily researchable but the sacred elements that you covenant not to disclose those are the things that you do not disclose because they are sacred and they are supposed to be only revealed at certain points in the temple period and those are the things that you keep your mouth shut about goodness yeah so the endowments can seem very intimidating um but hopefully some of this information will put your concerns at ease um and then my favorite part is when the endowment ends and then you get to go into the celestial room mm -hmm. that is my favorite you can visit them in open houses or you can explore them on um if you like google celestial rooms for the temples like they are pretty awesome there are no ceremonies or ordinances that are performed in the celestial room it's a place of peace of prayer and reflection and it's meant to symbolize heaven so okay so the celestial rooms are very nice and you don't have to only go through the endowments to be able to go in there because like what i've done several times is just do rounds of initiatories um, and then just go sit up in the celestial room because it is very peaceful you can never hear anyone talking which is really nice and there's you know always some scriptures that you can read there if you want to it's just meant to give us a small piece of what forever would feel like with our families in the presence of our heavenly parents and jesus christ so it's nice um and then it's also where your people will be waiting for you after you make it through your first endowment session um that that part i did not like as much because they're like oh yay like whoa welcome to the party kind of thing and then i'm like this is too awkward i don't want this like you guys are all hugging me like it's it's awkward it was awkward for me um <laughs> But that's what you do when you have a weird family. That's it's fine. For me, so I was I have this written down for the end of the episode, but I'll just share it now. I was so panicked afterwards because I guess I wasn't fully prepared to go to the temple. I 100% thought that I had joined a cult and I was terrified. I was like about to run screaming from the temple. I was so afraid. I was not okay. And one of my friends from my ward she could tell. So like she saw me and she took my hand and she brought me down to the purple couch in the Orlando Celestial Room. <laughs> and she looks me square in the eyes and she says, you did not join a cult. You can breathe. And I almost <laughs> died. Like she like oh I goodness. it made me laugh. I also realized that I had been holding <laughs> my breath. So I like started breathing again. But like she really took time to ask me questions about like my experience and let me ask her questions and like raise my concerns. She really took me from like a level 500 anxiety to like a level seven and like helped me feel okay and feel the spirit again. And then she encouraged me to come back with her later that week so I could get like a fresh perspective on the temple and the covenant and not feel like it's all focused on me, but focused on, you know, something else. And so like that is what helped me the most. But like otherwise, my first time was terrifying agreed like i mean honestly i just i start to go numb when i start like i start to panic or anything too much like I either completely freak out or i'm just like 
no, like I can't process this. So I really like that. We all need to be that friend for other people going to the temple for the first time. All right. So now we're going to talk about ceilings. On LDS.org in the temple section, it explains, quote, Families are central to God's plan for our happiness. In the temple, families can be united forever as husband and wife together with their children. The scriptures call the authority to unite families forever the sealing power. This is the same authority that Jesus gave the apostle Peter to declare blessings on earth that will continue in heaven. In a sealing room, a bride and groom kneel together at an altar to be sealed for this life and for eternity. This ordinance is also sometimes referred to as temple marriage or eternal marriage. Children born or adopted into these eternal marriages can also be sealed to their families forever, end quote. Just a note on the, the children aspect is the children who are born biologically into a marriage are like already sealed to you. They come from you like that's how it is. For those who get adopted, then you can go together and get sealed as a family once they join the family. Mm -hmm. My question, though, is, Tracy, I don't know if you know the answer, but let's say I get married, we want to adopt a kid, so we adopt a kid, um, get sealed, and then like five years later, adopt another kid. Is that second kid sealed to us, or do we need to go back again? You go back again, and you get that kid sealed to you. Anytime you adopt another child, you get to do the sealing again. It's not your sealing to your spouse. It's just your child being sealed to you guys. So it's just expanding the circle of the sealing covenant that you've already made. Currently, um, a man can get divorced or be widowed um, to a wife who he married in the temple and then remarry in the temple again. Um, from my last understanding, a woman can only get remarried in the temple if her first husband is dead. That's the only way she can be sealed to another man. No. Is there is there currently a way for a woman to remarry in the temple at all? Yes, but you have to break your original ceiling to get remarried in the temple. Which, guess what, guys, is very hard. Yeah. So the only way that a woman can get remarried in the temple is if she breaks her first ceiling. I don't mean like covenant-wise you break it, like you are stepping out on your husband, but I mean like you get the signed letter from church headquarters that says we are absolving this ceiling and you can marry this other person in the temple now. Right, which is not that easy, unfortunately. I don't understand the reasons why. I feel like a part of this has to do with the, um, like you were saying earlier, the patriarchal order of the church as well as probably our polygamous roots. I feel like that's probably a reason behind it, but I could be wrong. I don't know, honestly. I think there's still a lot for us to do more learning on, especially because, I mean, the seal the concept of our ceilings is more in the terms of modern revelation. We don't really have that a lot in our scriptures. Like, it's only something like Joseph Smith started doing, and we have different... And all the prophets have had different um, understandings and views of this. Yeah. And so the rules around it have definitely changed throughout time. Mm -hmm. So 
it's very interesting to review. One of the most enlightening opportunities I've had to learn more about the ceiling is in Blair Osler's Queer Mormon Theology, mm-hmm. where I think a whole chapter is dedicated to the topic of ceilings and what it's really focused on, which isn't just about marriage. It's about ceilings um, to the right people in your life. Yeah. Um, I can't dive into better detail because I just can't describe it the way that Blair Osler does. Um, but it definitely made me do some thinking and it's something that I personally want to do more of, um, because I did brush off ceilings as, okay, that's only for marriage. Um, which at this point in life, like I'm not like super sold on it's going to happen to me (laughs) at all. Um, and like, that's okay. But reading that by Blair Osler, I wanted to start learning more for myself, um, about what Joseph Smith wrote about it, what he actually did about it. Um, so I think there's still a lot more for us to learn, not just on our own, but in the process of church action and order that we take. Yeah, even like in my research, I was very confused about what the rules are for like people who had previously been sealed to someone and who want to get sealed to another person. Like there, mm-hmm. it's in the church handbook. It's very confusing. At least I thought I felt like it was very confusing. So if you feel like you want to go read more about it, I encourage you to go on the church website and find that section in the church handbook and read it. But I do feel like it's important to note this about ceilings, that your ceiling is 100% dependent on your faithfulness to the covenant that you make and that you keep from that day forward. So the general handbook of the church says a temple ceiling joins a husband and wife together for time and all eternity if they are faithful to the covenants they make in a temple. Couples who are sealed in the temple are promised glory and joy throughout eternity. You can read more about that in Doctrine and Covenants, section 132, verses 19 through 20. So just because you were married and sealed in the temple, you are not entitled to a happily ever after you still have to work for it. You both have to work for it. You don't automatically go to the celestial kingdom just because you were sealed in the temple. I love that so much. Thank you for adding it. Yeah, I'm not saying it for it to be a fear-mongering moment because it's not meant to be a fear-mongering moment. However, if one of you in the relationship or both of you are choosing not to honor your covenants throughout your life and you choose never to repent of those misdeeds or those sins, you may not qualify for the full blessings of your sealing, meaning you may not qualify for being forever with your family in the celestial kingdom. So Kaylee and I can't say for sure that this will happen because the Lord is the ultimate judge and he is the only one that can make the decision as to who goes to the celestial kingdom and who doesn't. But we both know that you have to be found worthy and pure to live in the presence of God. And if you aren't doing that, doing those things that will prove that you are obedient and pure and like Christ, then you will not be there even if the rest of your family is there. Exactly. This should be seen as a blessing and a responsibility yeah, and not so much as a threat. Yeah. Um, I remember at certain points in my angsty teenage years where I was like, I don't want to be with these people forever. Like, why would I have to, like, why would this have to happen to me? And you know what? No, when you get When we reach the next life, when things happen in the eternities, you will not be forced into any situation that you don't want to be in. 
Lord's not going to say, boom, you're blessed here and it's a punishment. It's not going to, that would be funny, but it won't happen. Um, and I think it's an important reminder because yeah, like you can't check off getting um, sealed and say, there's nothing more for you to do in this lifetime. And so now you can do whatever you want. That's not what that means at all. It means you have to continuously work and to maintain and keep those covenants that you made with the Lord that address you, your spouse and your family, whether they are blood, whether they're your flesh um, or friends or anything like, I think that's really important to note. I, I just know people in bad situations and they're just like, well, we should stay for the marriage. We should stay for the kids. We should stay because we're sealed. No, that's not it. If you're the one doing everything you can to keep your covenants, then you're doing the right thing. If your spouse is not, then that's not a proper covenant and it's on them. And if you choose to step away, then you are more than allowed to do that. Even if people do not understand, your heavenly parents most assuredly will understand. Yeah. I learned this from a sealer in Orlando, in the Orlando temple. He said, let's say you, Tracy, decide to get married and the man that you marry, you were sealed to in the temple and you have like five kids with this man. He decides that he wants to stop living the covenants that he's made with you and with the Lord. He cheats on you. You get a divorce and then he tailspins into like all of these awful scenarios where he just shows that he's a terrible person and he is not living his end of the covenants. The sealer said, you and your children will still be sealed to one another because you are living the covenant and you are doing everything you can to keep that covenant intact. Your children aren't just going to like disappear and go off into no man's land. They're still going to be connected to you. And then the Lord, because he's merciful and loving and kind, like, the Lord will make things happen for you in the next life so that way you can enjoy the full blessings of that covenant with your children. Your husband, because he has chosen otherwise, is not going to be a part of that equation unless he repents. Just know that you are still going to have your covenant intact. It's not going to be ripped away from you because one person chose otherwise. You will still have that covenant and the blessings that come along with it. Just because you're married does not make you responsible for someone else's salvation. Right. That's very important. Thank you for sharing. And actually, I was wondering if what if how that affected the children. So thank you for that. Yep. Someone's um, always going to be attached to you as long as you are living that covenant. And the Lord, like, obviously there's more things that we don't know because, like, we're not the Lord, so we don't know what happens in the next life, but the Lord will not just throw your kids off to the side because your spouse or you chose poorly. Like, the Lord is going to take everything into account. All right, so when the ceiling then gets broken, quotations, I don't know if that's the right term, that sounds weird, but it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um Then it's only going to remove the aspects that don't belong there anymore such as your spouse yeah. or you if you go in the wrong direction. Yeah. So now you've gone through the temple. You've done everything. You've prepared. You've gone through. And then now we're going to talk about what happens after. People will say that after going to the temple, they went back to regular life. 
And let me just say that they are wrong and they're lying to you because things are completely different in your life after you go to the temple. And I don't mean in like a scary, you're scarred for eternity kind of way, but I mean in the sense that you have just learned so much about your eternal and your spiritual identity that you can't just go back to the way that you were before you went to the temple. Right. I wish that that had been something better, more clearly pointed out when I was getting ready to go through. Because you get so focused on getting into the temple that you forget to think about like sometimes being inside it and then the after point. And that's so important to highlight because, yeah, you're you're going to be a little bit different than you were before in, in several ways. Like my biggest concern, and sometimes still is, is the garments. That's hard to get used to, especially for girls who you who are more likely to have shorter shorts and tank tops and like fun like little dresses and everything. You definitely, I mean, not everyone has to change their wardrobe, but a lot of us do. I thought I was pretty darn modest. I thought for most of my life, and I still had to make changes. And I mean, anytime you change to a new underwear type, then. You, you go through a change and it's it's an adjustment. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that changes in your life after going to the temple is that you now know the higher law. And like we shared in DNC 82.3, we're going to share it again. For of him unto whom much is given, much is required. And he who sins against the greater light shall receive the greater condemnation. So now you have the higher law, which means if you decide to start hoeing now, the repentance process is going to be a lot more intense and you'll receive the greater condemnation from the Lord. So let this be a note from Tracy to all of you. <laughs> I advise all people to get their hoeing phase and times out of their systems before they decide to go to the temple. I'm not judging you for having a hoe phase. We all have a hoe phase, but like get it out before you go to the temple. It will make your life easier and many elements. I like, yeah, when I think about going through the endowments, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much on my shoulders. Like I have to be so much better, blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, sometimes it does weigh me down, but other times it's like, okay, like there is, there are blessings within this. It's, it doesn't have to be that intimidating. Like you've already made baptismal covenants at, by this point in time you know so it's just keeping that in mind like i used to find it super daunting to be like okay i have to follow christ and think about him all the time which like is impossible but like impossible in the way that i was thinking about it so as you continue to progress in your life you'll find ways on how to make these covenants that you're make that you've made work for you um in your life and how you can handle that responsibility um so third then you Learn more about your eternal identity. You learn a little bit more about who you are, where you came from, why you're here, where you're going, and what's what's waiting for you on the other side, and why it's so important to live the gospel and keep the commandments. And it's it's nice. It's refreshing. And things change from that moment forward. And it's not something where you can ignore the fact. So there are no crazy secrets. Like we said before, there are no crazy secrets that come out. All you do is you get a better understanding of what is already shared in the scriptures. It's really just like bringing it to life a little bit more than before. Because sometimes it's easy to read the same scripture over and over again and be like, yeah, sure, whatever, I get it. But it's different to actually apply it to your life 
And so this is just another opportunity to be able to do that. You're committing yourself a little bit more to trying to be a good person and to grow closer to your heavenly parents. So another thing that changes is after you've been to the temple and received your own endowment or you've been sealed, you should continuously go back to the temple. We've already said this multiple times in this episode, but you need to continuously go back to the temple. In the Preparing to Enter the Holy Temple Manual, it says, The temple ceremony will not be fully understood at first experience. It will only be partly understood. Return again and again and again. Return to learn. Things that have troubled you or things that have been puzzling or things that may have been mysterious will become known to you, end quote. Truly, you won't understand, comprehend, or retain everything in your first visit because everything is so new and it kind of feels like you're drinking from a fire hydrant. It all just hits <laughs> yeah. you in the face at once and it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Yes. Um, yeah. So really, you need to go back to the temple often and you need to participate in the ordinances for those who have already passed. And as you go, like you will feel less nervous and less pressure because you're doing something for someone else. And when you go back, like don't stress about knowing exactly what to do and say at certain points because that's what the temple workers are there for. And more than that, patrons are there and are more than happy to help you. You just have to speak up. Like if you're in a session and some woman, like this happened to me so many times, if you're in a session and some woman comes and sits right next to you, you can turn to them and be like, this is only my second time. Please help me get through this. And they will literally be so thrilled and happy to help you do whatever during it. Like you just have to say something. And the last thing to remember is that in order to keep the sacred covenants that you've made in the temple, you need to be living them. So you need to continue to live the laws of obedience, sacrifice, chastity, and all those other covenants that you make in the temple. And you need to continue to do what you did with your baptismal covenants in order to maintain them, which is building your faith daily, keeping the commandments, repenting, and working on becoming a disciple of Christ. We are here on this earth to progress. And just because you've made these covenants doesn't mean that that's the end. You need to keep going and keep striving to become better. Okay, and I love how Elder Bruce D. Porter of the 70s shared in an, in an October 2000 Ensign article. He said, Even as we receive the higher ordinances and revealed knowledge found in the Holy Temple, we need to continue applying the first principles and ordinances of the gospel each day of our lives. By exercising faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, repenting of sins, honoring our baptismal covenant, and receiving the administrations of the Holy Ghost, our hearts will become pure and our spirits sanctified. I love that. It's really nice. Honestly, the covenants that we make in the temple are already very much the ones that we are taught to live within the church like every Sunday. Like it is simple then to live those covenants that you've made in the temple. You just need to continue to live to the best of your abilities and the way that works best for you and your heavenly parents to live the gospel, to develop, to continuously develop your faith, to always repent and partake of the sacrament when you can, and you will be in good shape. Yeah. So to wrap up everything, in case we didn't explain this enough at the beginning of the episode or throughout the episode, a big reason why members of the church are so hesitant to say what you do when you're in the temple is because everything that happens in the temple is so sacred. 
we believe that we are truly communing and worshiping God in the way that he intended to be worshiped. And our spiritual beliefs are very personal and sacred for everyone, not just members of the church, but everyone in their own personal religious beliefs. They are not things that we like to broadcast. But we wanted to do this hardcore temple prep with you all because we know what our experiences were like going to the temple for the first time and how seemingly shrouded in secrecy everything was. So it made us unnecessarily anxious. Members of the church don't know how much they can share about what goes on in the temple because members don't realize how much information about the temple is public information now. So like like I said earlier in the episode, everything that we pulled came from the church website. It came directly from the church handbook of instruction, the preparing to enter the holy temple manual, or the temples.lds.org website. Like everything is public information that we shared. We didn't share anything secret. We didn't share anything that you can't find on the internet, like on the church website specifically or in the scriptures. Recognize that everything is open now. It's no longer like Gandalf to Frodo in the Fellowship of the Ring saying, (laughs) keep it secret, keep it safe. Like, it's true. That's how it's been. But like really over the last 10 years, the church leadership has been like, hey, this stuff shouldn't be kept secret since everything is in the scriptures and everyone can read the scriptures. So like, let's just share it with people. Let's break down the secrecy. It's not a secret. It's just sacred. Yeah, honestly, like we are constantly doing our best to provide the best resources to provide the clearest understanding for us to like comprehend anything. Like it's very important to us that we're doing this these episodes to the best of our abilities. So we're not going to come here with false information as far as we can tell. Mm -hmm. We just want ourselves to be better informed and better educated on what we can share. And we want to share that with you guys so that you can have a better understanding of the covenants that you are making, have made, or want to make. And so that you're feeling more comfortable and prepared with going through the temple for the first time, no matter what type of ordinance or covenants that you will be making. Going to the temple should be an enjoyable experience. I will repeat that forever. That is why I go to the temple. I go there when I'm struggling, when I just want more peace, when I'm want, when I'm feeling excited about the prospect of going. It's such a beautiful opportunity for us to enjoy in our lives. And so long as we can even do it once, then I think that's amazing. And I think our heavenly parents are going to love that too. Yeah. So we really hope that you were able to understand a bit more about the temple today and to feel less stressed out about it. And hopefully, if you are considering going to the temple for the first time, you feel like you are in a better frame of mind and you are more prepared than you were before. If you have already been to the temple multiple times and you're like, whatever, girls, this is old information, like we hope that you at least were able to remember when you went for the first time and what experiences you had and thought about good things about the temple while we were talking about this. Like Kaylee said, everyone deserves to have a good experience when they go to the temple. And it's something that we should be seeking after frequently in our lives. So yeah, we hope you guys enjoy this. And Hope you guys tune in for next week's episode. Still not a series, but we're doing good things. We're doing fun (laughs) things. It'll still be good. (laughs) It'll still be great. (laughs) All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.